0: Time with God every day, every day, every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. Pray, pray. I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy, holy, holy. I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. This is as I was praying tonight or not tonight, as I was praying for tonight, um, I just, uh, I feel like the Lord um, just stirring something in me for you guys, and it's really practical. Uh, tonight, I, I, don't, I don't know that it's an inspirational night, uh, but I just want to talk really practically to all of us. Um, I believe that, that all of you have, want, you have a desire to do great things for the Lord. And many of you, uh, even as as we uh, as we gather together, as the kind of person that does one of these programs, as you come here, largely it's because you feel called in some manner to to advance the kingdom, um, or you you're stirred to know God more, and uh, and so uh, I want to talk about the idea tonight of, of having dreams, and uh, kind of the idea of of having big dreams for God and, and those things as as uh, as we get are applications, As I get furnace applications. How many of you guys filled out a furnace application? That's good. Hopefully, you all filled out some form of application. Uh There's one of the questions on there. talks about, or asks, what you feel called to, what you feel your calling is in life. And, uh, I'm, and a lot of you are pretty specific. A lot of people uh, say what they feel like they're called to do. They say what they think uh, God's calling has been on them, or they feel like they had a moment where God told them what to do. Uh, and then a lot of you also, a lot of you would say uh, in, in that paragraph, you say, well, a big reason why I want to be a part of this is because I want to find out what I'm supposed to do with my life. I want to find out what God's call is for me. I want to know what kind of what the big dream is of God for my life. And so uh, I think it's something that at, at, at your age, it's something you're wrestling with. It's something that you desire to know. You're trying to find out. You're asking God for. Uh, when I was a little kid, uh, I remember... I re- I don't have a great memory, um, and I don't have good excuses like other guys on our staff. I just don't. Um, and so, I <laughs> what? I'm just. And uh, and uh, but I do remember. I remember one specific conversation I had with my grandma, and uh, I think we were at McDonald's. I think I was playing in the play place, and, uh, and my grandma asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and uh, so I told her. I gave her the honest answer. I said, well, Nana, here's what I want to be. I want to be a pastor, a cowboy, and a tiger. (laughs) That was my big aspirations. I was a pastor, a cowboy, and a tiger. And uh, I don't know why those are the things I wanted to be. I do know that uh, in retrospect, it would be difficult for me to be a tiger. (laughs) And um, I certainly am not... I don't have the bent to be a cowboy. And the only reason I said pastor was because that's what my dad was, and I really didn't know any other job. Uh, I was five years old, and I thought everybody was a pastor. Because what else do people do? You're either a pastor or, you know, you work at McDonald's. Those are my, that was my two, world, that was my world view. And, uh, and I think a lot of us react like that. We get asked in our culture, in, in, in the culture that we're in, we're asked pretty often, what are you going to do for God? What's your calling? What do you want to do? What's your, what is the dream God's placed in your heart? And, uh, and a lot of times, we feel almost pressure to come up with, well, I really feel called to the nations, or I feel like I'm supposed to be a worship leader that leads worship for thousands of thousands of stadiums of people. Uh, or we, some, some people will say, notice also, when people say, like, I feel called to preach to to the masses. No one's ever like, I feel called to preach to 100 people. I don't know why. We all want to preach to the masses. Uh, or some people say, I've, I really feel called into the marketplace. I feel like I'm supposed to be a businessman, uh, that, or I feel like I'm supposed to be a doctor, or whatever. Um, but here's how I'm going to swing that into ministry. Here's how I'm going to, here, let me tell you, I feel like I'm supposed to do blank, and here's the way I call it ministry. Um, and and I, I think a lot of times, even our answer to that question, is based on our worldview. Uh, oh, I became a Christian, and I think all Christians are supposed to say that they're want, they want to be missionaries, pastors, or worship leaders, so obviously that's what I want to be. Uh, or, or, because that's what we know, that's what we hear, that's what, uh, you know, when I was 12, everybody told me that I was going to be in the ministry, and so I have to be in the ministry. And we define ministry as vocationally getting, you know, being someone that is part of the church staff or something like that. Or I have to be a missionary because when I was... 15 this crazy man with really long hair and a beard came by my church and he talked about how we're all called to be missionaries and we need to give up our american way of living and go live in china and so that's what i feel like i'm supposed to do is because that's what the crazy man with the fiery eyes told me and i'm scared of him and uh yeah don't you love happy missionaries you know missionaries that are happy i love those people because so many of them whoo they bring the fire when they tell you that. Anyway, um, and so, but I think it's such a such a big deal, and, and I want to say specifically to our community, to our group of people. So many of us are asking God, "What am I supposed to do, God? What do you want me to do with my life, God? What is what does this look like?" Um, and many of you, I believe, have that dream. Many of you feel like, "Man, these are some of the things that have happened, and this is what has led me to." What I want to do, and I want to do blank for the kingdom. And we have a big dream. And and so I want to talk about those dreams tonight. And first I want to tell you, uh, having a dream I think is a godly thing. It is godly. It is right. I think God gives you dreams for for your life. I think that God gives you uh, big picture and and high dreams and things you want to be a part of. And so just uh, as we talk about dreams tonight... Uh, are we going to be okay with this? Should I switch to the handheld? Am I good? Okay. Uh, as we, uh, you know, to me, the obvious person that we're going to go through is, is the life of Joseph. So I want to talk through Joseph. Anybody know who Joseph is? Heard of Joseph? That's good. I'm glad. Um, for those of you that haven't, we'll talk about him tonight. And uh, Joseph, I really like the story of Joseph. Uh, I think there's so many things that can be pulled from his life and from his story. And, uh, but we're going to go through the story of Joseph. Most of this is found uh, Genesis 37 through 48-ish. Um, we're going to read every word of that tonight. No, that's not true. Uh, I'm going to try to paraphrase as much as possible. But I want to go through the life of Joseph. And I just want to look at Joseph uh, as he was a young man. Joseph, so uh, if you want to kind of follow along, I'm going to start in chapter 37 of Genesis. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks of his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the son of, I love these names, his father's wives, and they brought their father a bad report about them. Verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph, Israel being Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. Now, this is a kind of a funny thing, I mean. You always hear parents say that they don't love any of their children more than the others. But I have biblical proof that that's not true. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so, uh, so so Jacob loved Joseph more than any, any of the others. He gave him a coat made of many colors and it was richly ornamented, an ornamented robe for him. Verse four, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. That's a lot of hate. Now I know that most of us, If you have siblings, you know there's there's sibling rivalries and there's sibling fights um, and and things of that nature. Uh, But Joseph's brothers hated him. I mean, they could not speak a kind word to him, and 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 that's so that's probably not a great family dynamic. Uh, And then added on top of that, starting in verse five, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said he said to them. Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly the sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Remember, he's, he's, he's the younger brother. He's the one that was born in his father's old age. And, uh, and so generally speaking, this is kind of, a, he's kind of a typical younger brother here. You know, like... As a typical younger brother, he's like, hey, fellas, guess what? One day you're all going to bow down to me. And they didn't believe him as a typical older brother wouldn't. And his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Verse 9, then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and uh, and 11 stars were 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 bowing down to me. When he told his father as well and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So here's Joseph. He's a young man. He's 17 years old. And uh, he's his father's favorite. And so he probably acts like it. And so therefore, his brothers don't really like him. They can't speak a kind word to him. They cannot be nice to him. And he has this dream. And in the dream, he, he feels like it's from the Lord, and, yet there's all, there's, uh, and in both dreams, it involves his family, his brothers coming and bowing down to him. Now, Joseph, uh, probably unwisely at the time, uh, didn't do what his father did. His father kept these things in his heart and pondered them. Joseph probably should have done that. Uh, instead, Joseph decides, I got a good idea. I'm going to tell the guys that hate me that they're going to bow down and I'm going to rule them. This was a bad moment for Joseph. But I want to look at at the very fact that that God gave Joseph these dreams. And I want to encourage all of you. I think it is right for you to ask God for dreams. I think it's right for you to say, God, what is it that you want to do in me? What is it that you want to do through me? God, what is the big dream in my life? What is your dream over me? And I I think it's healthy. I think it's right. I think it's good. And, and then many of you have had that moment. And, and when I say dreams, I don't necessarily mean an actual I was asleep at night and I had a dream that 11 stars were surrounding me. Uh, maybe some of you had that. Uh, but, but I'm talking more of the, the, the dream even as we talk about, of, you know, like I said, we are in our culture as we ask what are your dreams, what are your visions, what do you want to do, I think it's okay for you to ask God for those things. I think it's right for us to ask God for those things. And I think oftentimes he'll give them to you. I think oftentimes he'll, he'll put his thumbprint, he'll, he'll put his mark on your life and he'll say, I've called you to do this. And I think that's good. I think that's something we need to ask for. And so, like I said, many of you have felt that. Some of you are still in that wrestling. And I, I want to encourage all of you that said, part of my being here is that I want to find those things out. I think this is a good place for that because you're spending so much time in prayer. You're spending so much time asking God, okay, God, first purify my heart. And secondly, you're you're asking God, what do you want? And so I think that there's no better place to have God download his plan for you than in the place of prayer, than actually talking to him. But what we do with those prayers, or what we do with those dreams is really important. What we do with those dreams is really important. We live in a um, fame-driven society. And even as I joked earlier that so many of our dreams include preaching to the masses, leading worship for the masses, uh, going on missions and, and raising people from the dead, or uh, s- preaching the gospel and, and, so, and thousands of people coming to Jesus. Or, or uh, many, I feel called to be a businessman businessman that gives millions of dollars to the church. And, and, and so many of our dreams are so uh, on such a grand scale that I just think sometimes we might have some of our own flesh mixed in there. I think sometimes we might have some of our own ideas mixed in with it. And so while I'm encouraging you that I, I do believe that, that dreams are good, and Joseph started with the dream, uh, I think that there's a couple things. that One is we need to repent for longing for greatness or and for neglecting the invitation or seeking in the wrong purposes. So I think there's some things we do. One, some of you, sometimes, I don't want to put this on you, but some, sometimes people will have a dream. and God will even download this dream to them. And then they go out and they seek it for the wrong purpose. They seek it for their own motivation. They seek it for their own glorification. And seeking the dream of God. And and this is, I think this is even, if God has placed a dream in your heart, in your life, and you seek it with the wrong motivation, then you're seeking it for yourself. If you're seeking it because you want to somehow, deep down, really, that you want success, or you want fame, or even, you know what? Even if it's something like, I want to do great things for God because I want him to accept me or I want, to, I want God to be proud of me. I want God to feel like I am, I mean, I want to be a, I want to be a big player in this whole Christian thing. Do you, do you see that so many times? Those are false, those are wrong motivations. And ultimately, you're not dreaming God's dreams anymore. You're dreaming your dreams, using God as, as the, your way to feel good about it. And, and ultimately, it's narcissism. Ultimately, you're not worshiping God with your life and the, and the dreams of God over your life. You're worshiping yourself. So if we seek our dreams in the wrong way for our, because it's ultimately about me and, 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 and I'm just speaking. I'm, I just want to talk real tonight. And, and I want first, as for many of you, just to ask yourself the question, is this me? Is this something, have I sought, have I sought the dream that I feel like God gave me for my own good? Or is, am I truly reaching it after it for the, the advancement of the gospel? Many of us go for our own good. The second one, though, is that some of us neglect the invitation. Some of us would say, no, 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 greatness. I, we're not supposed to strive after greatness. You know, when the disciples came and asked Jesus who would be the greatest, that he didn't yell at them, he told them. He gave. Now, he said those that would become a servant, but he told them. There, much of Jesus' talk, in, the, in, in if you read uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, there's no... There's no person in the Bible that talks about us striving for greatness more than Jesus. So there is some motivation to us wanting to be great. And some of us say, yes, that's for me. I want that. I want greatness. And, and, and ultimately, it's this inner pride that we want to be great. Other times we, the, the common response is to neglect it. And to say, no, 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 no. no. All, and, and, and we couch it in different ways. of, I don't want to receive the glory or whatever. And, and, and while that be true, many of us, it's actually a false humility that causes us to neglect the dreams of God on your life. So, so you're, 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 you're trying to look humble, and it's false humility, or it's actually fear that you can't live up to the dream that God has given you, which is fear in yourself, but it is it ultimately not having faith in God. And so there's, two different, there, there's three different ways we can react to the dream God's downloaded in. One is to say, yeah, 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 I want that, I'm going for that, and I'm going to take it even bigger. God, you said this, but I'm going to take it even bigger. <laughs> you know, like, we're going to do this, and, and our motivation is, is in us for our glory. And the other is to say, No, 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 not for me. God could never use me. I'm so weak. I'm so nothing. I mean, surely somebody else, and that is lacking faith, but ultimately, again, it's talking about you, because it's talking about Either you saying, yeah, I want to be a great, you know, I want to be a really wealthy businessman for Jesus because I'm really good at business, which is about you. Or no, 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 I'm too weak, I'm too, I'm too poor, I'm too, I don't have, I, I stutter, I do whatever. And ultimately, again, it's about you. So I want to encourage you tonight in the dream moment. When God gives you a dream to embrace that, to love that, but not to seek after it in your own, in your own ways, with your own motivations. But the way to handle it is a, uh, in godly greatness, a godly response, is living for the good of others and the glory of God. Ultimately, our goal is whatever God has called you to, you're doing it for the glory of God and God alone, and it's benefiting other people, not yourself. Does that make sense? But I want you to know, I think, we are co- I think we're supposed to have dreams. And so as you come and you spend a year or two years here, I want you to regularly ask God, God, give me a dream. God, what do you want me to be? What do you want to do through me? God, God I want vision. Give it, I, I'm asking for that. And so I, I think that many of us go through a stage of having the dream. But then comes the delay. And I think that most of us in this room are probably living in the delay. Let me tell you about Joseph. So Joseph has these dreams. And in these dreams, his brothers come and they bow before him. And, and he tells them, and they don't like him. And, uh, and so his, even his father, who's, he's his father's favorite. And even his dad is like, Joseph, Joe, bro, son, shut up. Leave it alone. Your brothers already hate you. And, and now you've got to say this? You're an idiot. And so he, he grounds him or something, you know, just for his own protection. And then his brothers go away. And his dad says, hey, Joseph, do me a favor. Um, I want you to go check on your brothers. They're tending flocks. And I need you to go out and you, I need you to check on them. So Joseph goes. And it says that his brother, see, he, he goes to the place that they were at and they weren't there. And, uh, and so then he, he like hangs out and then he asks a shepherd, you know, hey, have you seen 11 guys that hate me? And they're like, oh, they went on to this other place. And if you look at it, I mean, this is a long journey that Joseph goes on here. This isn't, like a, this isn't like he has to run down to Walmart to see his brother working there. Uh, like he has to go. This is quite a, this is quite a little jaunt for him. And he can't just call his brothers and be like, dude, Benjamin, Reuben, where are you guys? Uh, and so he has to, I mean, he's just wandering, looking for his brothers. And, uh, and so he's, I don't even know, I mean, he's just probably dreaming the whole time. And, uh, and it says that his brothers saw him from a long way away. They were, they, they were able to see him. And it says that they plotted to kill him. So his brothers had so much jealousy, so much hatred that they plotted to kill Joseph. Then his older brother came and was like, hey, this is probably a bad idea. We shouldn't kill our own brother. Let's just throw him into this pit, and, uh, which apparently was better. And uh, he, I guess he had the plan to come and save him later. So they, they were like, oh, yeah, good idea. We'll throw him in a pit. And uh, so then he was in the pit. And while he was in the pit, they were like, hey, another idea. Why kill him when we can make some cash off this fool? And so they were like, we don't like him. We hate him. He's, he, he, uh, let's get rid of him. Rather than kill him, let's make some money, and we're going to sell our brother. So they, they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites. Now, I want you to think what Joseph is thinking. As we go through this story, I want you just to think about Joseph. Put yourself in his place. Okay, God has given you dreams. You know these are from God. And you believe, man, someday God's going to do great things through me. God's going to use me for great things. And even my brothers are going to bow down before me. And then you're sold to the Ishmaelites as a slave. And you're riding a camel thinking, huh, I will never see them again. How will they bow down before me? God, I don't understand this. And I want you to even think of what it meant that he was sold into slavery. Joseph went from being a favored son who had an inheritance to being a slave who not only had no inheritance, but if he ever had family, his family would be slaves he went from being a son who would have a great inheritance and his family would be a part of this inheritance and they would receive that inheritance to being a slave who would never receive anything and actually any family he had would be slaves this is a bad moment for the dreamer this is a bad moment as you're like okay god um i'm going to trust you but remember that dream not looking so likely right now <laughs> this is the beginning of joseph's delay so he goes and he's uh, he is a, he's sold to the Ishmaelites. They then sell him to Potiphar. And, uh, and so again, he's like, oh, wow, hey, here I am. I'm just being sold everywhere I go. And, uh, and so they, his brothers, meanwhile, took his, remember his coat of many colors, the technicolor coat? Uh, they took it, and they dipped it in blood, and they went back to their father, and they said, your, your son is dead. We found this along the road. And they lied to him, and they said, Joseph's dead. He said that, that his father weeped for weeks. And uh, he was, obviously, he was heartbroken. And I don't know what it was like for his brothers to live with that. But ultimately, we see later in the story that 30 and 40 years later, they're still living with that guilt. But Joseph is now sold to Potiphar. And even in the midst of this, he finds favor from God. And he cannot see how the dreams that God gave him could possibly come true. He cannot see how, God, you've given me these dreams, but, but I don't see them. But in the midst of it he remains faithful to God and God remains faithful to him. And he's blessed and he actually works his way up in Potiphar's house and uh he's he's put over many things and uh and and he is he's prosperous and and in Genesis we're we're now in Genesis 39 of his story. And then this thing happens. See, Joseph was a good-looking young man. And uh he was hanging out in Potiphar's house a lot and uh Potiphar had a wife that was um scandalous and uh she thought joseph good looking dude all right and so Potiphar's wife begins to uh put the cougar moves on joseph <laughs> and uh so th- she so she is going after him and uh and 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 he he's he's not taking it he's not going for it, and he's living in godliness in the midst of being a slave in the midst of the difficulty of his life, he's choosing godliness, he's choosing the right thing. And uh, Genesis 39, verse 10, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. That's a even be with her. He, he made sure that they weren't in the room alone together. This is how we get some of our, uh, <clears throat> some, some of the things that we do. One day, verse 11, one day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants were in she, got, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. This was an intense coup, And uh, I mean, she was on the prowl. And, uh, but is it, he says, but he left his cloak in her hand and ra- ran out of the house. I mean, Joseph, this is a man, he's fleeing from sexual immorality. I mean, this is a man that is fleeing from this, these attacks. He knows what's right and he's not giving in. Even though, I mean, he, his life seems to have been, been wasted now. And this man that once thought I am my father's favorite, you know, I mean, Jacob, the man called Israel, the founder of a nation, I'm his favorite, now I'm a slave, my life is done, none of the things that, all the dreams that God gave me, there's no way that that's possible, but he still chooses to make right decisions. She grabs his coat, he runs out, and she doesn't like that. And so uh, she turned, she turned in his coat to Potiphar, this dude had a problem with coats, or at least coats are a common theme in his life. Just he takes his coat, and she's like, and she she says to Potiphar, she says, hey, Joseph, she tried to come on to me. Joseph was trying to seduce me, and uh, Potiphar didn't like that. So he threw Joseph in prison. Let me tell you, this is a bad day for the dreamer. This is a moment, okay, before I was I was a slave, but at least I was a favored slave, and I worked my way up, and I was treated pretty well, and I was put over a lot of people, and and even though I no longer had inheritance, at least I had something tangible in this life that I was doing successfully. At least there was something that I was able to have influence on. I was still a leader, and now I'm in prison. God, I don't know how you're going to do this. God, I'm starting to doubt how you're going to do this. God, I don't know that this is possible, that these dreams you've given me will ever come to fruition. He's in prison for a couple of years. And while he's in prison, these guys come in, and uh, they're hanging out, and they have some dreams. And they freak out about the dreams, and Joseph's like, oh, hey, oh. but meanwhile, while he's in prison, even, even as a prisoner, he becomes favored by the guards. Even as a prisoner, they they, they see his the way he lives, and they give him authority, and they give him responsibility, and even as a prisoner, he works his way up. I don't know what there is to work up in a prison, but he finds a way. I don't know if he's like, I don't know what he does. They're like, you take care of the rats, you know, but he does something, and uh, he works his way up, and these guys come in, and they have dreams, and and he's like, okay, well, here's what your dreams mean. Uh, You, it means that in a couple days, you're going to be released, and, and Uh, you're going to be put back in your position as a cupbearer and you, you're going to die. And uh, so they probably didn't love those. Well, this dude didn't love it. The other guy was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) You know, and so, uh, and and it turns out that the dreams, as he interpreted them from God, came to be true. And so the cupbearer says, bro, Joseph, I'm going to get you out of here, man. I will not forget you. You interpret this dream and it happened and Joseph, I heard it. This is going to happen. And uh, and so Joseph was like, "Uh, finally, I'm going to get out of prison. It could not get any worse. And yet it gets worse because the guy forgets about him. And he sits in prison just thinking about the dreams that God gave him. And I'm sure he asked, God, how is this possible? God, I don't see it. God, I was a cocky 17-year-old kid. I had I had these big dreams, and, you know, maybe, maybe that was just me. Maybe he begins to doubt. Maybe he says, man, as a 17-year-old, I just, I had all these dreams, but I don't know, man. Sometimes I'm just so tempted, God, to give up on him. But even as a prisoner, he remains godly. Eventually, Pharaoh has some dreams. And uh, again, coats and dreams; these are common in Joseph's life. And uh, and so he calls. So so he calls in all of his like people that interpret dreams, and um, he's like, "Tell me what my dream means." Obviously, we're skimming over this story here, and uh, and none of them can. And so one day, the the cupbearer, and the cupbearer is the person that drinks the beverage for the for Pharaoh to make sure that um, it doesn't kill him which is a very prestigious job, but uh, has some major downsides. And um, so, anyway, so the cupbearer is in there, and, and, and he's hanging out with Pharaoh. I mean, he's really close to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's got to trust him a lot, and he's got to really like Pharaoh because he's drinking his beverages to make sure that he doesn't die. And, uh, and no one can interpret these dreams. And after three years, the guy's like, oh. There was this guy. (laughs) He's in prison. And uh, he's a slave from somewhere. I don't even know. But he interpreted both my dream. And remember that guy you killed? He told him that before you did it. It's crazy. And uh, so maybe you go after him. Maybe ask him. So Pharaoh's like, man, these dreams keep keep coming back. I keep having them. And I don't know what they mean. And so, yeah, I'm going to, okay, I'll try anything. So Joseph, so he brings Joseph in, and uh, it's two years later, which two years is a long time, two prison years. That's a long time, and uh, I mean not like I know from experience. I'm just saying. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, so Pharaoh has his dream, and uh, and Joseph comes in, and, and Pharaoh tells him the dream, and and Joseph, interestingly here, makes it very clear that he cannot interpret the dream but any interpretation is from God. And I want you to see this about Joseph. Every step of the way, Joseph is is living godly. He's making choices that are godly. He's giving God glory. Even when it seems that his dreams are impossible. So he interprets a dream, it turns out to be true. Pharaoh puts him in in place in charge. Pulls him out of prison. And uh but that's Joseph's delay. There's a long time that goes between Joseph having a dream as a seventeen-year-old and then being thrown in a pit, sold, sold, attacked by a cougar, put in prison, forgotten in prison. Well, I'm just saying. There's a long time, and I want to. I want to talk a little bit about this is. This is really the heart of what I want to talk about tonight. See, we live in a society that says that we need to be successful now. We live in a culture that says we need to be really big and and well-known now. We live in a culture that is so obsessed with fame that we have things called followers. Each one of us have followers and fans. I can go on the Internet, and I can see all the people that are your fans. You have fans. A little weird. Some of you, I'm like, whoa. No. We're set. I mean, look at even look at the people that are that are getting famous today. I mean, we have uh I'm not I mean I don't want to hate on anyone here that's big fans of anybody, but like we got people who are really big fans of uh Justin Bieber. And uh he's like he's like twelve. Sixteen or so. Miley Cyrus. I mean, we may have a party in the USA, but Homegirl oh, girl can't even go to the party. They're gonna check her ID and like, you gotta get out of here. That's the biggest amen I got all night. We live in this culture that so is obsessed with fame and success, and and and, and, and all of us want to this whole idea of having fans and 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 being well known. And and we want it so early. We want it as as, as like we gotta get it now. And I think it's crept it, it's crept into our This is our culture. As Christians, we we have these dreams, and, and we're like Joseph. We have a dream about what God wants to do through us, and we want it to happen. We had the dream at 17, and if it hasn't happened by 21, we're like, God, what is going on? You gave me a dream, and it hasn't happened. I'm so old, God. Why haven't you done this? And we just live in this, like, microwave society that we want it right now. But I want you to see Joseph as a man who who in his life, he had a dream and it took a long delay before he ever saw anything happen. You know what's crazy? Joseph wasn't the only one. Look at David. David was anointed king as a young man and then spent 30 years in the wilderness with kings trying to kill him and, and, and having to act like the enemy and having to act crazy and foam at the mouth. And he did a lot of questionable things in those moments. But he had, he had the anointed, he was anointed to be king. And then he went and he was like Robin Hood. I mean, he like lived in the forest and had mighty men, you know, like... Look at Moses. Moses was like the great, he was prophesied to be the great deliverer. And he was going to deliver them out of, of captivity, deliver the people out of captivity. And yet he grew up as a, he grew up in Pharaoh's house as an Egyptian. And then he killed some people. So he ran away to Midian and, 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 and he lived in the desert for years and years. There's a process. Look at Paul. We think of Paul. In the New Testament, I mean, he was Saul, and then he had the conversion moment. Boom, he becomes Paul. And we know Paul as one of the greatest advancers of the gospel to this day. I mean, to, uh, uh, the, the most of the New Testament is written by him. Paul was, was one of the first missionaries, if not the first. I mean, Paul was doing the stuff. And we think of Paul as a great hero of the faith. Paul had a moment with Jesus where he saw Jesus, got blinded, fell off his donkey, although he wasn't really in the, on donkey in any of the accounts. But anyway, fell off his horse or whatever it was, and it was blinded, had this big moment where he believes in God and where he believes in Jesus. Do You know, that was five years after that moment before Paul ever went on a first missionary journey. Five years. It was eight years after Paul's, after Paul's salvation moment before he ever wrote a letter to any church. Eight years. Listen, Paul, you can read about him. He is one of the most educated people in all of Christianity. Of the early church, he was the most educated. He knew the stuff. Even Paul, it didn't happen right away. Look at Jesus. What do we know about Jesus? We know how he was born, a minute of his teenage years, and then 30 to thirty-three. Jesus, the son of God, the savior of the world, was a carpenter who made tables and hung out with his dad and learned how to work with his hands and, and hung out with people. He had, he, Luke two fifty two one of my favorite verses, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Jesus, 30 years. So I, and here's what I want to tell you tonight. I believe most of us are living in the delay. We have these great dreams. God's given me dreams. God's given me ideas. God's given me vision. And we begin to live in the delay. And all of a sudden, in our microwave society, we're like, why has this not happened yet? If we were Joseph, I don't want to say this to discourage you, but most of us have just been thrown in a pit. Most of us have a lot of life to live still. I mean, all of us have a lot of life to live still. But as we are in this delay, most of us have just been thrown in a pit and already we're like, God, where are you? I thought I was supposed to be with the greatest missionary ever to Uzbekistan, and why haven't I gone yet? I graduated high school. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not. I um, I was I, I was depressed on my twenty-first birthday, and uh, a lot of people like birthdays. That's fine. Um, I my twenty-first birthday was was depressing to me because. When I was in junior high and high school, I really started, I read this book, and um, I really, really liked the book, Fox's book of Christian Martyrs, and uh, I was convinced I was going to be a martyr for Jesus, and and when I turned 21, I was like, God, I'm, like, supposed to be dead by now. (laughs) I'm not even joking with you. You think I'm joking, because in my brain... When I was 13, reading this book, I was like, "21 is so old. If I'm not dead by then, my God, I'm not doing anything for the kingdom." <laughs> I had to come to grips with the fact I was still alive and I hadn't been martyred yet. And while that's a little morbid, I think it, I mean it's true to even how we feel. We want it. We 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 now. I don't know that my dream is to be a martyr, but it was at the time at 13. And when I and we want it, we want the dreams of God now, and we want them to happen. And we don't have patience for the delay. And so I want to encourage each of you guys tonight. The thing, as I prayed about what to talk about tonight, the, the word that I got was patience. I feel like we need to be a group of people that have patience for what God wants to do in you and through you. So many of us, we want it right now, we want it right away, but we need to have patience. Are we supposed to do great things for God? Absolutely. Will he use you to change the planet? No doubt about it. Do you need patience? Yes. Because it's in this process, in the delay, that you begin to make your decisions. In Potiphar's house, Genesis 39, Joseph lived right. And, he, and, and as he made godly decisions, he was elevated in, his, in what he was able to be trusted with. Then, when he was attacked by an elderly woman, he made the right decision, and he ran from it. And it was that decision, when he made that decision, that got him thrown in prison. And when he was thrown in prison, he still decided to believe that God had spoken to him. and He was going to believe what God said was true, and so he was going to continue serving God and living how God has told him to live and he gained favor. And even when he had the excitement of the prospect of being released from prison, and it didn't happen, he didn't freak out. When he, when he, tells, the, the, when he tells the guys about the dreams and what they mean, and, and the one guy's like, hey, sweet, I'm going to get you out of here, I bet you that was exciting to him. But he didn't put his hope in a cupbearer. He put his hope in God. And so when it didn't happen, it wasn't the end for him. And eventually he stood before Pharaoh and he said, this is nothing from me, but this is from God. But here's what it is. And Pharaoh placed Joseph in charge of everything he had. Joseph rose to second in command of the entire country. He had Pharaoh's signet ring. Now, if Pharaoh had known anything about Joseph, he probably would have given him a signet robe. But he gave him a signet <laughs> ring. And what that meant was that he could put his stamp of approval on anything. And it was Pharaoh's saying, this is, this is good. You can do this. Joseph could do whatever he wanted. He was second in the land. And one day, these 11 guys come, stand before him. They're in famine. And Joseph had done right. He had had interpreted Pharaoh's dream that there would be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And so in the seven years of plenty, Joseph was put in charge of everything that Pharaoh was in charge of. And so they had storehouses and they planned for seven years of famine. Rather than living off the fat of the land, And just partying it up and you know, seven years is coming, but right now life is good. Rather than that, Joseph had integrity, made the right decision, and he prepared. When seven years of famine came, all of a sudden, these eleven guys walk in. They look pretty familiar to him. They look a lot like him even. He recognizes them right away. And it's interesting, Genesis forty two, verse twenty one. Joseph gives him a little hard time. You know, he's a younger brother still. And uh, he makes him jump through a couple hoops. And uh, they look to each other. And when he first tells them, I'm not, I don't want to give you anything, they look at each other and they're like, this is because of what we did to Joseph. Decades later, they are still living in the, in the guilt of that, the decision, of, that poor decision they made with Joseph. Meanwhile, Joseph's decisions have landed him a second in the land And the dream he once had is now coming to fruition because of the decisions that were made. And even in this moment, though, Joseph doesn't gloat. Genesis 45, verse 14. First, Joseph gives them the food that they want, and he didn't even make them pay. I mean, these guys have put him through uh, a lot. You know, you would think, this is my moment. They're back. Man, here's what I'm going to do. Hey, I'm in charge of everything. Give me 11 people, and we need to dig 11 pits. And we're going to see how they like it. I'm going to leave them down there for a few days. Then I might sell them to myself. And I'm going to make them bring me food. Every- I'm just saying, I'm, I'm a younger brother. And if David ever threw me in a pit, and 40 years later I ran into him, I'd be digging a pit. And Joseph doesn't react that way. Joseph sees his brothers, he gives them